Amen. Thank you. Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Is there anybody here that, that has kids or maybe you have grandkids or, or maybe you teach kids or, or maybe you're coaching kids? Uh, is it just me or does it seem like a lot of life is just saying the same things over and over? Is that just me? Uh, every single night, turn that off, take a shower and go to bed. Turn that off. Take a shower, go to bed. Now it's 9 o'clock. We got to we turn that off. Take a shower, go to bed. It's 9.30. I'm not going to tell you again. Turn that off, take a shower, and go to bed. You know what? I'm going to bed. It's, it's 11 o'clock. Turn that off, take a shower, and go to bed. Then here's what the morning is. Brush your teeth and get in the car. Brush your teeth and get in the car. They're in high school now. Brush your teeth and get in the car. Or here's one. Somebody put the milk up. You walk by, somebody, somebody put the milk up. Here's what they always say, well, I didn't leave it out. Well, it doesn't matter, I didn't leave it out. Somebody put the milk up. Somebody put the milk up. And then on the 40th time, uh, you blow a fuse and there's veins sticking out in your neck and you blow in there and you scream, put up the milk, turn that off, get in the shower, skip the shower, get in bed. Why do you repeat yourself? Because you're mean? Because you're sadistic? Because you're bored, have nothing else to do? Now, the reason you repeat yourself is because it matters. It matters that people put the milk up. We're going to need it for breakfast. It matters that people brush their teeth at least every now and then. It absolutely matters. Is it just me or does it already seem like in John's gospel, some of it has become repetitious? We're in the sixth chapter. It seems that some of it, we've heard it before, maybe exactly in some other verses. And now we're getting ready to hear it again. It seems repetitive to us. Well, the truth is tonight, it is the same with this, knowing that it is imperative, knowing that it is vital. In fact, knowing that eternity hangs on it. God in patience and God in kindness tells us, and then he tells us again, and if he needs to, he tells us again, because evidently he knows us. Tonight, our message is entitled, The Gospel Again. The Gospel Again. Tonight, we're in John chapter 6, a big chunk of verses, verses 40 through 59. John chapter 6, verses 40 through through 59. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 41, says this, Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks, drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. Verse 58. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful, so thankful for you. We're so thankful for our Savior, Jesus. We're so thankful for your word in which you reveal yourself to us. We're so thankful for an opportunity to meet tonight on a Tuesday night. We're so thankful for 32 opportunities to bask in the goodness of our risen Savior. Lord, we pray that you're honored tonight. We pray that you're known tonight. I pray that you're received in faith tonight. And I pray that every bit of it, every piece of it would bring honor and glory to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. In John chapter 6, Jesus has done the great miracle. He has fed the multitude. Uh, many have seen it. Many were actually a part of it. And now many more are hearing of it. In John chapter 6, Jesus has done the private miracle. He walked on water for the benefit of his disciples, building up the disciples. In John chapter 6, we now find Jesus is at the peak of his popularity. A massive crowd has attached to him. We read that. Everywhere he goes, they seem to search him out and to find him. We read in John chapter 6 that in now in Capernaum, he has started a tremendous Discourse, And that's what we've been working our way through. That's where we're at tonight. In this discourse, he has said that he is the work of God. Now, that is a huge statement. He says, I am the work of God. Now, in the matter of salvation, that means there is nothing for us to do but believe because he is the work of God. Salvation is finished 
in Him. Salvation is settled in Him. There's nothing for us to do. It is finished in Jesus. Now, that is a deep statement. That is a tremendous statement. Well, on top of that, He has said, I am the bread of life. And where God the Father sent manna to the people in the Old Testament, it was a foreshadowing. It was pointing to him the true bread of life that the Father would send in the New Testament. And so he has said, I am the bread of life. And then in verse 40, he has said, everyone who believes will have eternal life. Over and over and over again, it is a call to believe. Anyone, everyone who believes will have eternal life. Remember when we started the Gospel of John, there are two main questions that John is answering in his Gospel. The two questions are, who is Jesus and what is the Gospel? Now, these two questions had been distorted. These two questions were under attack. And so he actually writes the gospel to address these two questions. Who is Jesus and what is the gospel? So that the truth will be known, so that people can be confident of it. He wants them to be absolutely certain. He is answering the questions, who is Jesus and what is the gospel? Well, tonight, as we look at our verses, he's going to make it clear yet Again, now it may seem repetitious to us, but again, once again tonight, he is going to make it clear to us. Why? Because he's bored? Because he's mean, he wants to pound it into us? No, because it absolutely matters. And so once again tonight, brush your teeth, get a shower. This is who Jesus is. This is the gospel. All right, let's keep looking at our verses, starting tonight in verse 41. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. When John talks about the Jews in his gospel, he is talking about the Jewish leadership. He's talking about the Jewish leaders. These are the ones that are opposed to, to Jesus. Well, he says here that the Jews are grumbling about Jesus. Now, the word grumbling, uh, it is an interesting word in the original language, the Greek. It means, listen to this, the buzzing of bees. Uh, it is literally grumbling. It is literally complaining. Another word is murmuring. He says they are, they are grumbling. They are murmuring. Because Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down out of heaven. Now understand, they know what he said. Just as the manna was provided by God, just as they lived by eating the manna, they know that he says he is the bread of God. And so they understand what he's saying. It is a claim to be the Messiah. It is saying that he has come from heaven. They knew what he was saying. All right, verse 42. They were saying, is this not, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say now, I have come down out of heaven? Now in verse 42, they say, we know Jesus. We know of his household. We know who his earthly father is. We know who his earthly mother is. 
And so what do you mean you've come down from heaven? How can you say you've come down from heaven? We know your household. Now I want you to see this. It's just something to take note of. Notice this. In this verse, it is clearly identifying the one who is saying he is the Messiah. It is this Jesus. It is the Nazarene. It is that Jesus. It is this specific one. And so there's no ambiguity here as to which Jesus it is. It is this Jesus, the Nazarene, who is saying he is the Messiah. All right, verse 43. Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. Verse 43, Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. It actually literally translates Stop murmuring. That's actually what Jesus says. Stop murmuring. Have you ever noticed grumbling always escalates? You ever noticed that? That's what I've noticed. Grumbling always escalates. Somebody comes along, and I don't know, they get in the group, and it can be a happy group, and it can be a good time, and good things can be going on, and you let one person get in that group, and they start complaining. Well, did you hear about that? Well, did you know what they did? Well, let me tell you about this. And somebody else starts to chime in. Well, I heard that too. Well, let me tell you what's going on over at my place. And somebody else starts to chime in, and they get louder because they got louder, and they get bolder because they got bolder, and grumbling always escalates. Well, Jesus does something here very awesome. He says, stop grumbling. I don't know why we don't memorize that verse. I don't know why we don't make t-shirts that say that verse. Do not grumble among yourselves, John 6, 43. That ought to be a big verse. John 6, 43, we ought to put it in end zones. Do not grumble among yourselves. Well, now Jesus, they're murmuring they're complaining. He's about to explain it again. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, verse 44 is sometimes posed as a complicated verse. Listen, it need not be. It really is not. Jesus says here in verse 44, look at this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now that's plain. That's what he says. Be very sure. That is the truth. That is what Jesus says. That is what Scripture confirms. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. Now, let me tell you where the problem comes in. There are some that say that here it is talking about, again, that God is selective in who he draws. And there's some folks that teach that. And it's what we talked about last night. It's what we saw last night. And they say, well, God only wants some people. Or he only wants a select group of people, and so he just draws those people. Well, I said it last night, I'll say it again tonight, that's not the gospel. Only those who God draws can come to Jesus? Yes, that is true. 
However, listen to me tonight. God in his gracious kindness draws all people. He wants all people to be saved. The good news is for all people. There's no person outside of his grace. And so he draws all people. Remember last night, we said we interpret Scripture by Scripture. How do we know what it's saying? We interpret Scripture by Scripture. Well, listen to this. John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus is speaking, and he says this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. All right, John chapter 12, verse 32 says this, Jesus speaking, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, it's talking about the cross, will draw all men to myself. Did you hear that? God draws all men. Now listen, does that mean that all the people that God draws will respond in belief? No, we know that. Some are going to refuse. Some are going to reject him. The Bible tells us that very plainly. Now, does that mean he's any less God? No. Does that mean he's less powerful? No. Does that mean he's not sovereign? No, not at all. God's will is that all would be saved. And so in his kindness and grace, he draws all. And it says, for those that believe, I will raise him up at the last day. I will raise him up at the last day. Now, this statement is found several times in this section. We find it in verse 40. We find it in verse 44. We find it in verse 54. Uh, this statement, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, that, that shows up several times, so let me explain it to you tonight. It means this. Listen very carefully. Once you have responded in faith to Jesus... Once you believe in Christ, in Jesus, you are saved. You're saved in God's doing, and you're saved in God's power. Now listen to me. You didn't do anything to get saved. You believed. Now this means once you believed, he and his power saves you. And listen, and he and his power keeps you saved. Do you hear that? That's a big deal. You didn't do anything to get saved. He saved you in his power. You're not going to have to do anything to stay saved. He keeps you saved in his power. Listen, there's still nothing to do. We're saved in God's grace and in God's power. We're kept saved in God's grace and in God's power. Now, that's the New Testament teaching, once saved, always saved. Folks say, well, that's a Baptist teaching. Well, it's the New Testament teaching, and I'm glad to say we uphold it as Baptists. Once saved, always saved. You do not get saved in faith and then stay saved by works. That goes back to a salvation of works. I know a bunch of people, some folks, and they are unhappy, and they are stressed out, and they have no peace in life because this isn't settled. 
And you know what they say? I got saved by faith in Jesus, but boy, I can't mess up and I can't ever sin again and I got to worry about this and I don't know if I'm saved on Thursday. Boy, I sure messed up on Friday and they have no peace in their life. They're still working to stay saved. A whole bunch of denominations say you got to start working to stay saved. Listen, you were not saved of any work you did. You're not going to stay saved in any work you might do. It is in him. Praise the Lord. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who's heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That's quoting Isaiah 54, also Jeremiah 31. It's not just in hearing, but it's in learning, in receiving and learning. Verse 46 with it. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Verse 47 with it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Take a shower, go to bed. He who believes has eternal life. He who believes has eternal life. Brush your teeth and get in the car. He who believes has eternal life. Listen, that is our gospel. That is our message. And he tells us over and over, he who believes has eternal life. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of God. He is the remedy for sin. And by belief in him, we are saved. Notice there the verb tense. He who believes has eternal life. It is settled in faith. It is settled by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, should this be settled right here? Seems like it ought to be. But I want you to think about something. This is a radical statement. This is a crazy statement. Here's these Jewish folks, these Jewish leaders, and this guy says that we're saved by faith in the Messiah. We're not saved by the system of Jewish works. Well, they thought how you worshiped, that's that's checking off a bunch of things, these, these Jewish works. Well, he comes along and says, we're saved by faith in the Messiah, not by Jewish works. And then on top of that, he says this, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. That is a radical statement. That is a crazy statement. And so guess what? Jesus goes over it again. All right, verse 48. Here we go again. I am the bread of life. Now remember the two questions, who is Jesus and what is the gospel? Well, here again is another picture Who is Jesus? I am the bread of life. He says that's who he is. Who is Jesus? He's the bread of life. Now, what is the gospel? All right, here we go. Verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Verse 50. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. In verse 50, it says the bread of God. Now, look at this, comes down. It's talking about Christ incarnate. He comes down out of heaven. It says that one 
may eat of it and not die. It's talking about eternal life. All right, verse 51. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 51 is a great verse. It's a tremendous verse. Notice, notice I'm going to read verse 51 again. Listen to that again. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Notice this in verse 51. Verse 51 is really a restatement of the gospel. Folks say, well, can you take one verse and show us the gospel? I think you can in verse 51. It is a statement of the gospel. I believe verse 51 is another John chapter 3, verse 16. Notice it says here, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If anyone eats of this bread, that whoever believes in him, he will live forever, shall not perish, but have eternal life. It is a restatement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, now there is something else. At the end of these verses, he says, and the bread also which I will give for the life of the world, do not miss this, is my flesh. Jesus says the bread that, that will give life, the bread that will secure life, here's what he says, is my flesh. Now, I don't want you to miss the hugeness of that. Suddenly, right here in these verses, suddenly he is pointed to the cross of Calvary. Suddenly here he has referenced the cross of Calvary. He's talking about the cross. You see, it is in his death that life is bought. It is in his death that forgiveness is secured. It is in his death that God's wrath is settled and satisfied. And where he has said up until this point, I am the one, I am God in flesh, Christ incarnate, I am the Messiah, I am the spring of eternal water, I am the bread of life. Now he goes further and he actually goes to the core of the gospel. He actually goes to the apex of the gospel because he goes to the cross of Calvary. I will give my flesh. And he points to the cross of Calvary. Verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? If they were confused earlier, they're more so now. If they couldn't understand earlier, it's going to be more so now. If they were enraged earlier, it's going to be more so now. Verse 53. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Remember, it means this is the truth. This is the truth I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourselves. Verse 54. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. There's that word again. 
Verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Be very sure tonight, Jesus has just upped the ante. Jesus now in John chapter 6 is laying it out. Listen, it's not just in belief in the Nazarene. It's not just in belief in the teacher that was sent from God. It's not just in belief in the miracle worker that had drawn the great crowd, but it is belief in the Lamb of God that will be slain for sin. It is belief in the Savior that will spill his own blood for the remission of sin, the only way there is remission for sin. It is belief in the one that humbled himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus says his flesh is the true food. His blood is the true drink. Listen, again, he says, by faith in him, we are saved. By receiving him, we are saved. The fullness of his gospel, we are saved. I want to be clear here. I want to tell you something. This is not talking about the Lord's Supper. It's not even a thing at this point. This is not talking about the Lord's Supper that actually becomes his body and his blood. That's what the Catholic Church teaches. This is not saying in taking of the Catholic Lord's Supper that we are saved. That is a heresy and a lie. This is Jesus pointing to the cross by which we are saved. There's folks that say, you know what, when we take the Lord's Supper, it actually becomes his body. No, it doesn't. There's folks that say, when we do this, we receive grace. No, we don't. There's folks that say, when we do this, that's how we're saved. No, it's not. We're saved by the means of the cross of Calvary. His blood will be spilt. His body will be sacrificed. And by believing in him, we have eternal life. And in that, we have eternal security. Amen. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. Jesus points and holds up his cross. Jesus further explains it. Here he goes one more time, verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. By believing in Christ, the Bible says he is in us and we are in him. By believing in Christ, once again, we are saved. Verse 56, now verse 57. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who eats me receives me, he also will live because of me. By believing in Christ, we live in Christ. By believing in Christ, once again, we are saved. Verse 58. And this is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus says one more time, Jesus says, because it's important, because it is vital, the Passover pointed to him. The deliverance out of Egypt pointed to him. The bread, the manna from heaven pointed to him. And where those who ate that bread, they died, 
He says those who receive him, those who receive the true bread of life, they will live. Those who receive the bread of God, he says they will live even if they die. Those who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Once again, friends, this is Jesus and this is our gospel. He died for sinners, died in the place of sinners, And he lives today. The bread of life, by faith in him, we are saved. Praise the Lord. Let's pray tonight. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for a truth that has real hope. We're thankful for a truth that brings peace with God. We're thankful for a truth that results in eternal life, life that does not end, life that is full. We're thankful that it's in no work of our own. We're too sorry to do it. We're thankful that it's in your finished work, in your death and your burial and your resurrection. Lord, we come now and we just bask in the truth. We tell you we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, one that's in the hearing of this message that doesn't know you, I pray in the hearing of the good news of the forgiveness of sin tonight, of eternal life in your great grace tonight. Tonight will be the night of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here that are believers. I pray that we would be encouraged tonight, that we would be made urgent tonight, that we would know those around us outside of Christ are hurting and they're lost, and they're perishing, that we would be bold enough to carry the good news to them. Help us in that. And then, Lord, I pray that in every piece of it, every bit of it, that you are known, that you're glorified. And I pray tonight in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the the call of this scripture, the, the call of these verses is this, run to Jesus. In your sin, run to Jesus. In your guilt, run to Jesus. In your hopelessness, run to Jesus. He will save you. He will forgive you. He is our hope. Run to Jesus. Bible says we've all sinned. All of us have sinned. Bible says in our sin, we've earned a punishment. It's death. Book of Revelation calls it a second death, separation from God, and the reality of hell for all eternity. Bible says God so loved us that he sent his only begotten son, his one and only son. That he came, he lived a life, he never sinned that he might go in your place, in my place, and that's what he does. And he goes and never having sinned, the wrath of God towards sin and the towards sinners is poured out on him. He takes it, he settles it on the cross of Calvary. He dies in payment of it. Three days later, they put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of that grave. He is alive. He stands as the risen lamb, the hope of sinners. Here's the good news of the gospel. The Bible says, whoever you are, The Bible says wherever you are. The Bible says whatever your sin, if you'll turn to Jesus and if you'll trust him, he will save you. You will have eternal life. That's the good news of our gospel. Listen tonight, if you've never trusted Jesus, trust him tonight. If you're hearing this for the very first time, trust him tonight. If you've heard this a million times and you sit still in your sin, trust him tonight. Trust Jesus. He will save you. If you've made that decision, but you've never followed in believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and to to say, I want to testify to what we believe of Christ. 
So I would encourage you to come. Let's set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of our Savior, Jesus. If you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, you believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll take up his cause, uphold his word, and point to his glory till he comes again. Maybe you want to come on this 32nd night and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe you're dealing with stuff no one even knows about, and, and the Bible says, you know what, nothing's too big or too small for our gracious God. And maybe you want to come bring it to him in prayer. I want to encourage you to pray for those that are hearing tonight. Pray for those that will make decisions in this effort. Pray for open ears and open hearts. I'm going to ask as we stand, if you have a decision to make, you'd step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.